I have a very interesting story about this song. Uh, I was in a children's choir growing up, so we attended a Baptist church, and this was my first. What well, I remember it as my first solo um, in the children's choir, and I, I just fell in love with the song right from that tender age. I think I was like maybe eight or nine, um, and yeah, I just, I just, it's one of my favorite. Uh, Christmas songs. Um, I think then after that will be maybe first Noel and um, Away in a Manger, and it goes on and on. But yeah, um, so yeah, that's a fun fact. I was in children's choir, and that song was like my first solo. I had, you know, the the rest of the choir was singing behind me, but I was like the lead. <laughs> Welcome to Transition Podcast. My name is Norma, and we are on season three, and this is episode. And today I have something special for you. Uh, Today we're going to look at Tales from the Web 4. Now, if you want to know, we've done one, Tales from the Web 1, Tales from the Web 2, 3, and now we're on 4. But the special thing about this 4 is that it's the last one for 2021. Uh, I can't really believe it's, um, it's beautiful and it's also surprising. And is also with a heart of gratitude that 2021 is actually coming to an end. So I did my best, doing that this is the last one for 2021, I did my best to cram as much gist as I can. Because also this being season, uh, so not season, this being episode 5 um, is the second to the last. I think they call it the penultimate, isn't it? The penultimate episode for the year 2021 as well. So I did my best to cram as much juicy stuff conversation where I'll just ramble about my thoughts and opinions. Again, of course, you know how to reach me, but in case you don't, maybe this is your first time, I am on Instagram. Uh, Check me on Noma Ekwe. Uh, That's my name on Instagram. It was Chichin Noma before, uh, but I changed it due to some other like professional work thing so i had to just make everything just rhyme um yes and then you can also send me an email transition podcast 2020 at gmail.com transition podcast 2020 at gmail.com you you know let me know your thoughts on some of the points i raised you know what you agreed with what you enjoyed what you don't agree with um and yeah so are you ready because i am Let's chat, people. Okay, so this is episode five, and I've titled it, like I said in the intro, Tales from the Web, part four, you know, phase four, however you want to call it, but this is the fourth and last one for the year. And the story I want to start off with is actually one I came across some months back. It's not that recent, but it interested me then, and it still interests me now. And that is gospel icon Marvin Wyans is an, an engaged man. Uh, the pastor, he's a pastor and gospel singer, announced that he was engaged. He had gotten engaged to his longtime girlfriend, Deneen Carter. Now, if the Wyans name is ringing a bell, yes, that is, he is the much older brother of C.C. Wyans of No Mercy Said No Alabaster Box. I hope I'm not murdering their surname. Um, but yeah, so um, he was married before to Vivian Bauman, obviously also known as 
Vivian Winans uh, for 16 years and the marriage ended in 1995 and from 1995 till now uh, which is 2021 so math geeks out there do the calculations but I think he's at like 16 years or thereabouts um, he hasn't been in or probably he's been in relationships but he is remarrying for the first time since then. Uh, this lady he's getting married to, Deneen, apparently has been in his life uh, for 15 years. Um, I don't know whether for the whole 15 years, it's not clear whether for that whole 15 years she was in his life as his girlfriend, but I'm, I guess not. I think maybe it started off either as a business partnership or a friendship, and somewhere along the 15 years, maybe by the time they reached year five, they became more or whatever. I don't know. But anyway, he's known Dinin Carter in a personal way for 15 years. Now, this got me thinking because the lady he was married to before, Vivian, had married since their initial marriage that didn't work out. So she's been married before since then. And she's divorced from that second marriage. Um, I'm not sure if she's she's married again since the second divorce, but this just I found this just very interesting that he, a man, you know, because of what we are told about men by culture or you know religion and whatever, um, but that he waited actually like 16 years before he did the marriage thing again. Um, and I feel like a lot, you know, it, it's not the same thing for everyone. I know like Ginny Mai, who I tend to talk about a lot here, she was married for 10 years. That didn't work. Um, and within like, I think a year after her divorce, uh, was concluded and all of that, she met Jeezy, her current husband, and they got married. And, you know, for some people, some may think that that was moving too fast. Some may, some say that, you know, when you know, you know. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just found this really interesting because I just thought to myself, if I could see him personally, I would have really liked to ask, like, why did you wait this long to remarry? And um, I listen to a lot of podcasts, like I've said here before on episodes past. And one of the podcasts I listen to is um, Dear Future Wifey. And um, he is also a divorcee. His first marriage didn't work. Um, and so the, the podcast is, for me, what I would ask me what that podcast is about. He is sort of like unlearning and then relearning, you know, a lot of things about love, relationship, faith, and all of that in the middle. There's also, before I get to that point, I just remember that there's, um, is it Philip Wilson? I, I don't know if I got his name right. The, the guy that sang, this is my worship, or, or I will not be silent. I will always worship you. Um, I remember in 20, last year, I think it was last year or the year before that, coming across an interview where he was saying how he struggled when he finally made the decision to end his marriage. Um, and then he's, re he's remarried. Now, I, I don't know the timeline of that, but I definitely know it was not 16 years like Pastor Marvin here. And I just feel like it's, it's different things for different people. I think when a relationship ends, especially a relationship, whether it was a com where you both of you were committed, like two of you are not just playing the field and you know um let's see what happens here type of thing like both of you were in it whether it's a marriage or whether it's um 
just a love relationship or you guys are not married but you have been you know together for a period of time when that kind of relationship ends i feel like it's better to take time to heal Uh, relationships don't end because they end so many factors are involved in why relationship ends and one of the humbling things that i've learned um you know on my journey is that sometimes your part or my part in the end of a relationship could just be allowing allowing what was happening to you to keep happening like believing that you didn't have an option you didn't have a choice or like you deserved what was happening to you or that you know you could um I don't know, you know, there's some sort of traumatic beliefs, maybe from whatever past experience. Um, I remember that there was, well, this is a bit personal, but I remember there was someone I dated some years back when I was in uni. And um, whenever I would complain about maybe things he was, you know, how he was treating me or things he was saying to me and stuff like that. And um, one thing he would he used to say to me was that, you know, I'm the best that you're going to have, you know, look, I'm the best you're going to have. You're not I don't I don't know what, you know, you're, you think you're going to get better than this. And I, and it's sad, but the truth is, I actually believed him for a very long time, even though I knew that he was just zero, you know, in character, he was zero in 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 like just in everything you could possibly think of but i just believed what he said so if it's in a marriage where someone is just treating you like that and you just believe and they're telling you look this you deserve this you know i'm you know i'm better than you you know i'm the best thing you're going to have you need to find out why did you believe that what what happened to you or what did you do that made you believe someone telling you that the way i'm treating you which is horrible is the best thing for you and there's nothing else you deserve than the way i'm treating you the way i'm speaking to you and all of that so i as much as you know like i said i don't know 16 years feels like so long um but I think it also boils down to when you know, you know. And then going back to uh, Dear Future Wifey, the guy who does the podcast, he has spent a lot of time in the process of this podcast that he's doing, um, just building himself up, up sorry, and, you know, taking off certain things as well from himself. Um, so... I feel like you do definitely, or I believe like you definitely, when a relationship ends, when a marriage ends, you definitely need to take a pause um, and figure out yourself. There are many things um, I have been able to figure out and, and understand. And like sometimes when I get certain revelations about certain things, whether it's about me or whether it's about relationships or anything you know in that space i'm always amazed about how i did not know how did you not know this no how did you not know this but it's you know maya angelou said um when you know better you do better and so i'm i'm having to learn with the help of god i'm having to learn to forgive myself because i didn't know better at the time and i don't know maybe because i wasn't listening to 
you know, I wasn't listening to any advice or I was getting the wrong advice or I was just being arrogant or I was just being ignorant. You know, I don't know, you know, I've done blame games. I've blamed myself. I've blamed certain people. <laughs> you know, when, when the blame burden gets too much, you start sharing it around by party packs, you know. <laughs> So I've shared a few around. They don't know I've shared it to them, but you know, they have a portion of it. But you know, but I just was like, I didn't know. I I didn't know. And so that was why certain things happened the way they did in terms of, you know, when a relationship ends. So Pastor Marvin is engaged after 16 years. Um, his last marriage, 1995. And he's just getting engaged now. And I believe it it happened for him now because he did the work and now he believes he's ready. Um, especially when it comes to marriage, you don't want to, you know, already there are all the scary statistics out there. Oh, um, 50% of second marriages end in divorce and things like that. So you don't want to be a fool, right? Um, the first time it didn't work, you can say you were ignorant and you didn't know. But the second time, you can't say you didn't know, except you just refused to do the work. And um, it, it's painful. And sometimes it's a lonely work work you have to do because you're uncovering things. Like I said in the last episode, I found that when I was talking about journaling, and I said the reason I did journaling is not because I didn't have people in my life. God blessed me with people in my life that I could get as personal and nitty-gritty with stuff with. But there are certain things that even were deeper than what I was able to share with them that I alone needed to, you know, just unfold before myself and before God. You know, I I needed because I had spent a lot of time um, taking other people's truths about certain situations and circumstances. And, you know, even when people tell you about your personality, you know, someone tells you, oh, you, you're a shy person. I, you know, you not ask yourself, am I really shy or is this something else that is not shyness? But if you just took that, oh, you're not a confrontational person. Oh, okay. I'm not confrontational. And you just carry that tag everywhere you go. I'm not confrontational. I don't like, I are you really not confrontational or is there something, you know? So, um, all I'm saying, like I said, this is going to be a lot of rambling. So bear with me on this episode, but what I'm saying in, you know, the long and short of it, whether you get back in two years into the relationship scene after, you know, taking some time off, whether you get back like Pastor Marvin after 16 years, the important thing is within the period you took a break, you did the work. You did the work on yourself, even physically, you do the work on yourself. Um, uh, not to give too much away, but I know that there was a certain period in my life because of what I was going through. I, I was just physically like everything about me was just not it. I mean, I've, I've been able to look back at certain pictures and I'm just like, oh my gosh, how didn't people just see me as a walking misery? Because when I saw those pictures, I was like, you look sad. Like my skin was dull. I was a bit overweight, you know? And I was like, how, how did people not see, you know, see that I wasn't doing well, you know, if I should put it that way. Um, so the important thing is that you just do the work on yourself, physically, mentally, emotionally. If you're a person of faith, there's no better person to do the work with than with God. Um, 
pour your heart to him. I listened uh, just today actually to a sermon from Beth Moore and she was talking about trusting God with your heart and she was asking questions like when, you know, when was the last time, you know, you told God about your heart being broken or about you being disappointed about how something turned out and, you know, and that kind of thing. It's, it's a huge pain. It's a huge um, life change, um, but it's something that, God is ready, even if there's no one else. But I hope there's there are human beings that love you enough to walk the walk with you. But God is always more than ready to walk that walk with you. All right. So now we're going to move on to our next story. And this one, I've actually called this um, one, Finding Your Voice. Okay. Um, so this is, I don't know if you guys know even rachel wood she's an american actress oh did i say that okay of course you know because i said that he was the brother of cc wine and so of course you know that he's um it's american so anyway even rachel wood is an american actress she was in one of my favorite um drama series of all time once and again which funny enough it was about a blended family you know coming together and just figuring out life and I don't know I was a young teen but I lo- I was I was just drawn to the story of that of that series it's I don't know it's weird now because of how certain things are but I that series just I just loved it so she featured in that series so what happened to even Rachel Wood so even Rachel Wood many years ago um came out and talked about how she was in a relationship where she was um, being abused um, I think she 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 gave this um, you know revelation I think maybe 2010 or something like that but recently earlier this year um, she actually came forth and put a name to her abuser who happens to be I want to get his name correctly pardon me um, he is called Marilyn yes Marilyn Manson now, this is also, I mean, if if you are, you know, new agey, kind of, you may not know who I'm talking about when I say Marilyn Manson, but just Google it and, and you will see Marilyn Manson. And then you will also ask yourself the same questions a lot of us ask ourselves then, like, why? Rachel, why? <laughs> why? What are you doing with Marilyn Manson? Just Google the picture and I promise you, when you see Rachel, her picture, and then you see Marilyn Manson, we all ask ourselves that. I mean, if you didn't ask yourself that question, I don't know, maybe there's something, I don't want to say there's something wrong with you, but maybe <laughs> because it was, there was such a big why. Um, now, to be honest, her coming out to say that she was in a relationship with this person and he abused her, just seeing Marilyn Manson, I never really listened to his music, um, but it used to come up on, you know, music stations back in the day. And I just used to, I, I, I mean, it, it was all dark. Like, some, I like some rock, but his was just too, too dark. There was just something dark and dead about his song for me. I guess there's some people that vibe to that. Do you? But for me, it was just dark and dead. I, I, there was no positive thing I felt there was nothing like that so I never I never really paid attention to his music but I knew he existed um I'm not surprised that he can abuse people you know there's some people that when they tell you this person is a is a is a woman beater you'll be like no him 
because you know those people they are so sweet they are so pleasant they are so playful chatty 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 and then when they get indoors with their girlfriend or their fiance or their wife it's like punched and kicks and all that so there are people like that that when you hear do you know he beats women you're like no are you serious but Marilyn Manson, I did not ever feel, are you serious? I was like, sounds about right. <laughs> you know, like, duh. Um, and so she finally came out. And since she came out, so many other women have also come out like her and also accused Marilyn of um, being physically abusive uh, and sexually abusive and uh, um, towards them. And um, why I... I titled this story finding your voice is because again going a bit personal um 2021 has also been the year where I have found my voice I have found um what is true for me um some months back I love uh Dr. Thema she has a podcast called Homecoming um listen to it you know and listen to me too you know don't start listening to her and then you forget about me but she's really good and I on an episode I think I titled the episode hey you I went into detail as to why I love her so you can listen to that you know if you want to be like let me hear what she's about first before I give her a try um and so on this particular episode she did on her podcast she talked about learning to trust yourself and I remember that for the longest I you know when I listened to that episode a lot of the things she said I realized that for the longest time what what one of my biggest issues has been is trusting myself is not it wasn't that I wasn't quote unquote a risk taker per se is just I I I sort of like found that I needed permission and sometimes it was always permission from a particular person before I felt okay this thing I want to do is right um there was um you know, there, there are so many instances I can go to, but of course, you know, I don't want to go into, you know, too many personal stories, but I just, re- this year was the year I, I discovered, you know, a truth like that, and I was able to just find my voice, um, and it, so the thing about finding your voice is that when you find your voice, you find yourself, um, for um, Rachel, I think it's, yeah, Evan Rachel Wood, but I, I think I would just call her Rachel. So for Rachel, finding her voice was that after like 10 years or thereabout, after a decade, she was finally able to say who her abuser was. She did admit that she had been, she was really scared um, of put, when she first, you know, came out to say she was in a relationship where she was being sexually and, and assaulted and all of that stuff. And, you know, she was used to be caught and she used to cut herself just to cope with the relationship trauma and all that. Um, she admitted that she was scared to actually say his name for fear, of course, based on what she had experienced firsthand with him of what he would do. And, um, but 10 years later, she found her voice and she, she put a name to the alleged beast all right and i just want to encourage anyone out there who feels like who has gone through something rough and it's feeling like oh but i should be over this by now i should be able to face this by now i should be able to deal with this by now you will get there by the grace of god you will get there you will find your voice you'll be able to find your stance i mean it may happen this very minute just because you're listening to this it may happen before the year runs out it may happen at the start of the new year but you will eventually be able to cope and deal with the very thing that feels overwhelming now um 
I have gotten better. There was something that happened to me. And I just, like I said in my last episode, if anyone had told me, I mean, I, I, I still carry it. There's some days when I carry it and it feels so heavy, you know, and of course, I like a good cry. So I cry on those days. Um, but to the glory of God, again, I, I believe that God has given me so much grace as time has gone on to carry. I, I'm having more days where I can carry it easier. And um, that's what eventually you just you just don't even know that you're carrying it anymore. You're just living. And it's only when someone points it out to you like, oh, do you know? And you're just like, oh, really? You know, so for anyone who's just feeling like I thought I should be able to be able to handle this by now i thought i should be able to you know speak up for myself by now there is a staring there is a brewing going on on the inside and you will find your voice you will be able to call the beast out you will be able to give that pain a name you will be able to stand up for yourself you'll be able to deal with that crisis or that past trauma like you will find your voice, uh, definitely. So I just want to encourage you. Um, of course, since she came out, so many other women, like I said, have come out. And currently, he is under investigation. All these allegations, Marilyn Manson is currently under investigation for all that. And another interesting thing I love about this is um, there's nothing, even the Bible says it. The Bible says there's nothing hidden under the sun um, one of my favorite, I think is a proverb. I think the last time I said it was a psalm, but I think it's a proverb and I'll look for it. But my next episode, I hope I remember that I'll read it out to you. It says, um, and I love it. The first time I came across this since then was many years ago. I, it's one of the things in scripture that I love so much. It says, a, a tr- the truth stands the test of time, but a lie is easily exposed. Uh, whatever anyone does to you know to you or to another person that is wicked that is evil even the bible says don't envy the wicked it says yeah you're seeing them you know they they seem that they're doing fine they seem like they're thriving they've gotten away with that thing it says but their end is not good their end is not good so don't even don't envy them don't bother about them don't be angry i mean i know these things are easier said than done i'm sure marlon probably felt oh you know, Rachel could never mention my name because she knows what I've put her through. But she found her voice. Yes, it was a decade later, but she found her voice. And now he's dancing to the beat of that drum. And so anybody who has done anything, you know, unkind to you, wicked to you, malicious to you, this story is also an encouragement that eventually it, it could happen because you found your voice to speak up. And it could also happen because it was it was just time for them to be caught it was you know time up you know and um i just want to encourage you about that like don't don't feel don't allow yourself don't dwell i think that's the word i should use don't dwell in the anger that nothing has happened to them don't dwell in the pain don't dwell in that why why are they doing well and being happy when they did this to me their end is not going to be good it's going to catch up to them you know, what we should even wish for them is that they come to their senses and recognize what they did before that time comes. So so that's the second tale for you, um, finding your voice. And I pray that we all find our voices this year. Uh, and for those of us like me who have found it in certain places um, by discovering certain truths, I hope that we continue 
to find our voice and we continue to expose the beasts literally and metaphorically and move on so now we've done two stories from america the third story from the web is in nigeria good old nigeria all right so there is uh, there's a lot of alleged alleged so i'm going to use that because the case is currently still going on and this is um between i think it was an aviation minister um he's called ffk um i think it was a former aviation minister under a particular regime and um one of his wives um i'll use her first name precious they have been at each other's throats i think i talked about it in one of the episodes this year that i called social media palava um and one of the reasons why they've been at each other's throats is that precious had had four children for him uh um at a go i can't remember what those are called is it quadruplets or something but anyway at a go she had four and um since their marriage broke down um he has allegedly according to precious allegedly he has denied her access to this children um now the interesting thing is before things got to this point where they broke up and now they're in this you know heated accusation and recently precious came out and alleged that for her the six years she was married to this man she never had sexual intercourse with him that the four children she bore were through artificial insemination um, I, I think that's what it's called you know where they insert the semen and all that stuff she they never and she was to be celibate she alleges within those six years even though he wasn't having any kind of sexual intimacy with her now that is i think that's even an episode on its own um but the interesting what i found interesting about this story is that for before they broke up like i was saying earlier there was a point where there were rumors about domestic violence and all of that going on in the marriage and they would always uh, especially precious come out to debunk it um you know like there's this video that started um circulating recently uh it was brought back where you know after a period where there was a lot of rumor about domestic violence and things and hitting her and all of that and abuse they had there was this video where she was feeding him um she was eating what we in nigeria call eba i know and soup or her soup and she was feeding him and you know and they were laughing and you know all that was just done to sort of like throw throw us off the scent as they say like all is well here now go back to minding your business and so someone put up on uh, social media and was like oh look at you know basically like they were just pretending and really there was a lot of fire going on and she came into the comment section that's precious and she just says paraphrasing she was just like yes i was i was part of you know the charade you know you just have to forgive me and help me i need to see my my kids i need to see my sons and um it makes me remember something that people say a lot in nigeria you know when we see pictures of couples you know loving up on each other and all this you know mushy sweet you know gooey stuff we have this phrase where we say i tap into it and that just means oh you know this is so beautiful i want me one of those um and a lot of people are like don't tap into what you don't know because a lot of those things we i think i have done the tap into it thing um at some point in my life <laughs> you know but you know later on a lot of people started coming out to say look this tapping in 
there's nothing to tap into because a lot of those relationships, you start hearing different things. There was abuse, there was infidelity, there was cheating, there was this, there was, you know, so many, it broke down. It was never, you know, there was this popular um, Nigerian couple. They met on a, part, they met um, on a series, very good looking couple. And everybody was tapping into it at the point when they were getting, they were getting married and they were dating, you know, I think that was maybe the first and last time I ever tapped into a relationship, you know, like that. Um, but it ended and the kind of things that were coming out, you know, here and there about the guy, about the girl, you would, you would just be like, whoa. And so for me, this thing with FFK and his, um, estranged wife is just a cautionary tale you know, all that glitters is not gold. Like, be careful what you are, you know, you are admiring. Because um, sometimes we look at people and we think, okay, let me tell you this story I heard recently. So we went to, I went to the hospital uh, some time back with my mom and um, the doctor was telling us, you know, a story. It's a very, very friendly man, very friendly man. And so he was, you know, gisting with my mom and I just happened to be hanging around, you know, waiting for results and things. And he was sharing with how there was this lady who came in for um, for medical attention. She came in with her husband and they found out. So when they, he checked her, he found her like somewhere around her abdomen. I'm not a doctor, so I may not say this properly, but basically there was somewhere around her abdomen that was just collecting a pus and it was just it was just swelling. And what was in there was just pus. And so he told the husband and told the wife, he told two of them that, look, um, your wife needs to come in for surgery. I've checked her out and this needs surgical attention. Now, the, the, the husband, for some reason, is upset about that and, you know, tells the wife, come on, let's go. And so they go. The next day, the wife calls the doctor or the woman calls the doctor and she's crying on the phone. And he says he just told her, you know, point blank. If you don't get this attended to, you're going to die. You need, you need to, whether you need, you need to convince your husband or you need to just you do it, whether he likes it or not, but you need to get this surgery. I looked at it and it's not good. You need to get this thing removed. The husband storms into the hospital later that day, ranting and raving and telling the doctor, how dare you talk to my wife? How dare you tell her she's going to die? Who do you think you are? And he was like, he said to him rather calmly, I imagine, because like I said, he's a very chilled and friendly guy. He's an elderly man. And he said, he just, look, I told her the truth. Let her know what, you know, what her options are. It's either she does this surgery and she die, and she lives, sorry, or she doesn't do it. And it results in more complications that will result in her death. Now, the long story short, the woman eventually came in for the surgery. But the tragic thing about this, the sad thing is the husband refused to come with her. So this woman did the surgery and it was her pastor that signed, you know, when you go into surgeries, you need, you need to sign this form. I can't remember what it's called. My sister is a doctor. If she's listening, she knows the name. Uh, but there's a form you have to sign. And some of you who have done surgery, um, like I have at some point, you know, it's either they give you to sign or they give the person closest to you, who, you know, to sign. But it was this pastor that signed for this one because the husband refused to follow her to the hospital to get this surgery and even more tragic is that after she came to it was the pastor that was visiting her every day to and feeding her 
the husband refused to be part of her post-operation care. And I, when, I, when we heard the story, I was, my heart was so broken. But even what was so broken more about it, I, I looked at my mom and I said, December 31st, 2021, or January 1st, sorry, you know, 2022, you're going to see these people, like the way they do in Nigeria, husband and wife wearing matching clothes. I said, you're going to see this couple wearing matching clothes and dancing into church. You know, there is a lot of, and I'm, I'm guilty of it in, in my relationship. I'm guilty of, you know, we have those moments where we pretend everything is fine. And I don't know, I guess sometimes you can argue that it's good because you don't want so many people in your business. But I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't know. I'm not saying tell everybody your business, like, oh, we are not happy. Oh, he's, I mean, it's not like it's anybody's it's not everybody's business i guess it's some people that you can trust who love you and want you to live but i just said to my mom i was like these people you're going to see them and then you're going to admire them and be like oh what a good looking couple what a beautiful family but at the time this woman needed this man the most he failed her he failed her and so what people were saying about to precious about you know her and her husband her ex-husband was you know is that you were joining to play up something that wasn't real and like i said i myself i have done that too and i don't know i'm not a psychologist so i can't really go into our you know the depth of it and say why do we do this and do we really need to do this but it's just interesting that a lot of my, my mom calls it Facebook face because the, the backstory to that was um, when I came back from schooling and living in the UK and I came to Nigeria, I was really having a hard time, like getting jobs immediately and things like that. It was a very depressing time and other things were going on uh, <clears throat> in my relationship at the time. And, um, and so I, one day I was, you know, I, I think I was crying to her. I can't remember, but I'm sure it was with some tears here and there, you know, and I was just saying to her how I was on Facebook and I was calling the names of people I went to school with in the UK and even in Nigeria who are now doing this and who are doing that. And I was, you know, I think I showed her some of them, their pictures to her. And my mom was like, this is all Facebook face. <laughs> so since then, many years later, you know, it's, it's a phrase she uses, you know, it's like basically trying to say like, you know, people are playing up certain things. Yes, it's not all the time, but people are playing up certain things. They're overcompensating for certain things. And that is a cautionary tale with FFK and Precious Story. I don't know how this is going to end. Currently, she's in court. She's really pushing her weight to make sure she gets access to her sons um ffk has come out alleging that he has given her access she can come to see the children in his house where they are but that she's refusing to come and you know certain people are like of course she's refusing to come if the the rumors or allegations of domestic violence and all of that very terrible by the way you know is real she doesn't want to come into your terrain will she live alive you know would anybody ever know that she ever came you know maybe we'll just hear you know oh so so person is missing and maybe she, you know people are just saying she's probably afraid to do that but it's just a cautionary tale um just be careful for me let me say it was a caution it was a reminder for me like be careful what you are allowing yourself feel bad about 
as long as we are in this world and as long as we are all in this flesh, it's pinching each and every one of us somewhere. It may be in the same places. It may be in completely different places. My mom told me a story a while back. Um, she said, um, I think she said she heard it from a pastor. And he was talking about people who, you know, sort of like desire or is it convert other people's lives. And he was saying, you know, basically trying to say, look, just be satisfied, be happy with who you are and with where you are. He said, because if everybody who you're converting their life and, oh, I wish I was this woman married to this man, or I wish I was this man married to this woman, oh, I wish I was, you know, this person, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, if all these people you admire tell you what they're, that thing you admire, but what they are dealing with in that particular thing, oh, this person has a Fortune 500 company, if they were to tell you they are bought, he was like, you probably would say, keep your Fortune 500 company, thank you very much, <laughs> you know, keep your marriage, thank you very much, you know, keep your career, thank you very much, um, and his point was just, we all have where it hurts, some people are very good at pretending that nowhere hurts, you know, and those people, some of them try to make you feel bad and feel inferior, because, you know, they are living so larger than life. And, hey, look at me. I'm perfect. My life is good. But for me, what well, this story was just such a reminder that it pinches everybody somewhere. That people are smiling and, like, you know, Precious and FFK feeding each other and giggling. There is, you know, there is pain. There is pain. And um, the, the, the thing about pretending that there is no pain when there is pain, is that you never deal with the pain. And so it festers, it festers, it builds, because you're just, you're keeping up appearances, you're pretending everything is fine, you're not dealing with it. Jeannie Mai shared this a while back. She said um, she was doing an interview on the same room. I love the same room. A very, very amazing, I mean, check it on YouTube. I, they, they have so powerful conversations. Like for me, I love powerful conversations conversations that get you and hit you in all the right places so she was there as a guest and she admitted that she was part of you know these people that I am also I have been a part of as well who just pretend and just play to the gallery in her marriage she said you know that things were not well things were not you know in that marriage that lasted for 10 years things were not well but she kept creating the impression that it was whenever she was talking about her marriage on the show she would you know she would talk about the colorful things and like I said I don't know maybe some people would say well that is right is it anybody's business if she's not happy maybe she doesn't want to put it on on you know in front of everybody's face um but like I said and it just came into my heart the, the thing about pretending that everything is fine you know in a relationship or in a marriage or in a whatever is that you're not paying enough attention to it and it it snowballs into something bigger it just keeps getting worse it just keeps getting worse because you're so focused on keeping up an appearance you don't treat the problem that sounds very divine you know sarah, sarah jakes roberts would say i feel that for someone i i felt that for someone and maybe that someone is just me you know so um yeah that that is just what I, I got from this story and that's what I want to share with you about this and I hope um it got you thinking in a good way. All right, so we're going back to the US and this one is uh 
kind of like a sad story. Uh, so on November 30th this year, a 15-year-old boy wandering the halls of Oxford High School in Michigan with a semi-automatic pistol opened fire, killing four children and grievously wounding, wounding several others. Now, um, the, pro the prosecutor on the case, sorry, I'm, I'm biting my tongue. I'm, I'm trying to read the story. So the prosecutor of the case, Karen McDonald, has announced a highly unusual decision to file criminal charges against the parents, not the child, who she will argue committed involuntary manslaughter by allowing their son access to a gun while ignoring signs of violent thoughts. Now, the, 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 the last line was basically that the school had noticed that this 15-year-old boy was troubled, was a troubled boy. Um, apparently, on the day of the shooting, a teacher had seen something had graphically drawn about, you know, killing people with guns and all that and sent him you know, to the guardian's counselor and they contacted the parents and they were advised to take him to see a therapist, but the parents refused. And I think it was on that same day, he killed all these people. Now there's the debate going on currently in the U S as to whether or not this is, this will fly, which is the prosecutor's angle of actually charging the parents and not the child. Some say it's going to, it, it could work. Some say this is, you know, just silly. Um, but I want to connect this to another story, and this one is um, about, um, there's a school that LeBron James, that's the basketball player, he has a school called I Promise School, and um, is I think it's for at-risk youths in that area where he grew up, I, I'm trying to remember the name of the area he grew up, I think it's in um, Akron or something like that, I don't know where that is in the, in the US, but anyway, so the story here is that the school principal, Brandy Davis, who has had 20 years, 20 years experience in the educational sector, had to resign following accusations that she slapped um, one of the students of the school. Now, the incident that led to this, I'll just, you know, paraphrase it in my own storytelling way. Um, Basically, she it alleged that she confronted the particular boy, the slap receiver, who was with a group of boys over a mess, you know, in the boys' bathroom or something like that. Now, this slap receiver boy um, then replied whatever it is she had said to them with profanity and she slapped him. And um, apparently the mother came calling the school saying how because of the slab, the boy had a busted lip and he was bleeding in his mouth. Um, and it's good to see at this point that the boy was wearing a face mask. Um, so that all that I would say is also alleged because I guess there was no there, there was no sign. I don't know. So I'm alleging she's alleging that the slap resulted in physical injury. Now, if you're a parent, of course, you hear this and you may think, first of all, how dare you touch my child? If my child did something wrong, you tell me, who are you to touch my child? And that is very reasonable. You know, I can understand that. Um, but looking at this boy who answered with profanity, looking at this boy who, you know, 15-year-old boy who went into school and killed four children and injured several people, uh, and I saw the, the, the face of this 15-year-old boy. Um, I just, really young, you know. For people who are not parents, one of the, or even people who are, some people who are parents as well, one of the first things you are going to look at is not 
you know, the teacher or the school. They're going to look at the parents. And I want to say, like, it's not easy being a parent, to be honest, because your child messes up, it's on you. Your child is doing well, it's on you, but some other people are going to come and start sharing some some of that, you know. Teachers are going to be like, well, I taught this, and, you know, a guardian or an uncle may be like, oh, I also did this. But once that child is horrible, it's all on you, sister. It's all on you, brother. Ain't nobody sharing that bad load (laughs) with you. You did this. But the truth is, yes, sometimes when children are bad, it's because of their parents. But sometimes when children are bad, it has nothing, or badly behaved, I should say, it has nothing to do with their parents. I, I, I don't know. Like, again, I wish I was a psychologist and I could just analyze, analyze this in such a critical, deep way. But I realize that that is the truth. Uh, so sometimes, yes, you may be justified to say the parents are at fault. And sometimes you are not justified to say that because... It's just like when people, you know, I've heard people who use this argument and say, oh, a two-parent household is the, you know, is the best for a child. If, you you know, you have a single parent, that child is going to turn out to be this, that child is going to turn out to be that. The truth of the matter is that there are some two-parent households where the child turns out to be everything that you just said. Horrible, badly behaved, a criminal, a bank robber, a murderer, a narcissist, a psychopath, and it was a two-parent household. And there are some single-parent households that the children come out and they are topping their careers. They are having wholesome marriages. They are having one, you know, amazing ministries. You know, the thing we we hate on. I feel like a lot of times the people who say these things you know, oh, a two-parent household, a two-parent household is the best. I think a lot of the times they say from a place of fear or from also from a place of arrogance. And um, because either way, a child can turn out bad. Either way, a child can turn out good. Sometimes when they turn out bad, it's because of the parents. Sometimes when they turn out bad, it has nothing to do with the parents. So there's certain conversations that we have around this that I feel it's time for those conversations to to change. People need to be more intelligent and think deeper when they're having these conversations. Um, I I wish I had it at my fingertips, you know, just a list of people who who had church parents and where they ended up is horrible. And list of people who had horrible uh, uh, um, you know, back, you know, maybe a single parent, sorry, single parent household, and they were expected to turn out horribly, and they did not. You know, Joyce Mayer had a two parent household, but she was being sexually abused for years by her father, and look at where she is now. God redeemed her story. Barack Obama was raised by a single mother, and look at where he is now. So there are certain conversations we have about this, and I don't know whether it's because, like I said, it's arrogance for those who are in, you know, too fortunate to have the two parent household thing and they're like, "Oh, mine is better than yours. My child is going to is going to be great because um I don't know why they say that." And yes, some may argue and say, "Well, statistics are there to prove that if you're raised by a single parent, this happens to the child, that happens to the child." Well, statistics, I'm not here to argue about statistics to be honest. I'm just here saying I feel like the conversation about why a child turns out the way they do should be looked at in holistically 
um, and not in that narrow way and say, oh, I, I'm sure it's because he was raised by a single parent. That's why. Look at this boy. This boy had two parents, two parents, and look, look at him. He ended up murdering children. Do you get what I mean? So if you're one of those people, this is not a single parent household boy that did this. This is someone from what we believe is perfect and ideal. But this is it. So the conversations we have around this thing definitely needs to change. Okay. And I think I'm going to go with the last story here. I'm just going back to Nigeria. I think this is where I'm going to end this one. And um, so a church in Nigeria, a very popular church, apparently, Redeemed Christian Church of God, they're in Nigeria, they're all over the world, they have launched a Christian dating site. And um, I don't know what I feel about it. But first of all, what I would say is many years ago, uh, of course, online dating wasn't even a thing. Like it was like a foreign thing, it was the things that the Western people did in Africa. We didn't do that, you know your father came with a cow and said your daughter i want (laughs) you know and that was the end of the story um but you know to just see that we've come you know now in nigeria there are so many online dating sites i remember years ago it feels like another lifetime i remember my sister um saying to me that she thinks i should try online dating and at the time she said it online dating wasn't a popular thing you know, the way it is now. And so when she said it to me, I actually felt, you know, I felt the way, the way, you know, people used to see it then, like, if you have to go online to look for somebody, it means there's something wrong with you. That, you know, so I, that was how I received that, like, oh, there's something wrong with you, you may just have to check that out online. But I know that that's not what she meant, you know, but that was how I received it because at the time, people who did that, it was either, they were you know considered to be desperate people or they were considered to be pathetic you know there's nobody in the real world who wants you maybe go go digital maybe you'll find someone there who does but that narrative has changed um and so i mean i don't know i don't know i mean if you sign up on this redeemed christian church of god christian you know dating site app thing please let let me know what's going down over there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let me know how the place is. Um, it's, it's just interesting for me just how Africa and Nigeria, Nigeria has a lot of online dating sites right now. I mean, some people call it hookup site because they just they, they say that nothing else happens other than just random hookups. There's no real relationship that comes from there. Um, that's what some people say. Um, I've never, I mean, my sister, yes, she suggested that to me years ago. I never did. Um Am I going to? I don't know. I don't know. I think I'm still very old school in my thinking. I don't know. But interestingly, if you watch The Real, the talk show, Lonnie Love met her current partner via a Christian dating site. Uh, She has said that. She said that on Ellen. And um, she says that as well on The Real. And, you know, she just is like, she, she is... Well, she hasn't said this, but you can tell, I can tell anyway, like they are very happy together. Like the few times where 
you know, he appears on the show or they appear together, you can see, you know, genuineness in what they feel. So I'm really hoping that this Christian dating site app thingy um, by Redeemed Christian Church of God, you know, if the story is at all true, I'm really hoping that it will be a place where, you know, even if there are 50 people there, at least, you know, 30 of them are really there for the right reasons and not for random hookups and to confuse people. Um, but what are your thoughts? I really like to know, um, have you, you know, used online dating and what was that like for you? Um, if you're not in any relationship, will you consider it? I mean, a new year is coming. Um, like I said, Nigeria, all over the world, finding love online has changed. You know, the narrative around it has changed. I mean, thanks to COVID, a lot of us lived online. You know, if we're not a health worker, you had to live. Everything you were doing, your work, everything, engaging with people was online. And, um, you know, so, I mean, I'm, I'm really curious. For me, I I don't know, right? If you're asking me, like, oh, so, no, I want to hear what one want to say. You, what do you say about it? The honest truth is, I don't I don't know if I I would do it. I don't know if it's in my personality to do that. I think I'm still hung up on what people saw it as, which was also what I saw it as. Like, it's a desperate thing. It's a pathetic thing. Um, I think because I still have those labels attached to it, I, I believe that maybe that's why I may not do it. But if something happens and, you know, God shines some light and says, green, go, um, I will go, but I'm, I don't know, you know, I think that's safe to, safe to say, I, I don't know. All right, we have come to the end of the last Tales from the Web for 2021. I hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed, you know, and I and enjoyed talking and I really, um, like I said, I really tried to make this as full on as possible um thank you for listening um see you on episode six uh and um yeah bye-bye